they'll wonder in the recording what these bronze models are, but we'll come back to them. <clears throat> um, this passage is so long, and um, I thought, how are we going to get this into any kind of shape to present to people so that they get the message? How are we going to do this? And then I listened to some sermons on the internet, and frankly, that didn't help. Um, some of them were so boring. I thought, oh man, you know, how do people sit and listen to this stuff? Um, I, th- I hope I don't do that. Um, and and the, the heading in the NIV, in Pisidian Antioch. I thought, well, that doesn't grip your heart, does it? Uh, really? And one of them, uh, a sermon I listened to, said, well, this is a sermon about a sermon. I thought, let's not start like that. Um, but don't panic, because what we're doing today is we are taking a little tour of bronze models, all right? This message is a tour of bronze models. So we're going to look at these bronze models that show to us something really important. I mean, the bronze models in Bordeaux, about the size of the communion table, and with the pot kayo, you understand this is for recording, uh, with the um, uh, cathedral on, or with the uh, Grand Théâtre, and all the various other things that you have in these bronze models, um, they point us to what's around us in Bordeaux. But in this passage, the bronze models point us to salvation. They point us to what it means to be right with God. And um, there, are, there are three things I want us to notice about this salvation. Um, and I want us also to notice that, notice that this salvation has three parts, okay? So the three things that we are going to see every time is this. Salvation, uh, God saves people who don't deserve it. So salvation is undeserved, When God puts us right with him, it's not because of something we've done. We've done nothing to deserve it, okay? Undeserved. The second thing is that God's salvation is promised. That is, it's something that he tells us about beforehand that he is going to accomplish, okay? So it's undeserved, it's promised, but, and this seems bizarre... When God saves his people, it's always in an unexpected way. God tells us what he's going to do, but then when it actually happens, we we are taken by surprise. Because God always acts in ways that kind of make us think, didn't see that coming. Okay? So undeserved, promised, but unexpected. All right? And then the other thing I want us to, to think about with salvation is this. And we just sang it. We sang about salvation in Amazing Grace. Um, And the three things I want us to remember, they all begin with the letter F. So if this is the only thing you remember this evening, remember this. Salvation is composed of forgiveness. Okay? Forgiveness. We'll see this in our key verses when we come to them. I don't want to um, announce them at the beginning, but you'll see them when we come to them. Salvation is composed of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is about, about the past, isn't it? What we've been, what we've done, how we've thought, um, what we haven't done. Forgiveness is about the past. But it's also about freedom. Freedom. And freedom is about the present. How am I going to live today? Uh, So forgiveness, freedom. So how am I going to be set free from the slaveries I have? You know, how am I going to conquer these uh, things that grip me and dominate my life? So salvation is about forgiveness and freedom and about a future. How am I going to have a future? 
I was going to tell you about some of the things I've read this week. I've read some very depressing things this week. You don't want to know, you know. Um, but people are talking about, oh, you know, it's much better if you just accept that nobody has a future, you know. Uh, just accept that nothing has a future and that you just live for the moment. I thought, man, you know. But God promises us a future. So forgiveness, freedom, and a future. You can remember that. Three Fs. Yeah? It's a challenge. Uh, you'll have all kinds of Fs in there. But um, yeah, forgiveness freedom and a future, okay? Okay, let's look at our bronze models. These bronze models of salvation. And the first one is awesome. Um, Look at this bronze model. You'll find it uh, where Paul talks to people, uh, to the people, uh, in verse 17 down to verse 20, okay? He sums up, I'm, I'm preaching on, how many verses is it? Someone is good at maths. Is it 39 verses? this evening or 40 verses something like that Um, but Paul preaches about 450 years of of history in his sermon so if I think I've got a a tall order he had a bigger one Um, but he gives us firstly a bronze model of the exodus and he says look what happened at the exodus it's a wonderful bronze model of salvation shows us salvation (coughs) on a, a small scale well I mean, it's a big scale, really, but it's kind of like, like, like this table. We can look at it. Yeah, we can look at it and examine it and see what it's all about. And um, he says, look, God chose slaves. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Israel. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. You remember how they became slaves in Egypt. They were enslaved by the Egyptian pharaohs and um, how God liberated them from their slavery. He brought them out and he brought them out as he had promised. He promised to Abraham, hadn't he? Um, But he brought them out by sending Moses. And Moses, what I mean, Moses was a most unpromising person to send. If you're going to send anyone, you wouldn't have decided to send Moses. Moses himself objected. He said, you can't send me. They'll never listen to me. Was he wrong? No, he was right. He was right. Dead right. The people uh, basically didn't listen to Moses. And uh, Moses um, had struggled with the people all through the wilderness. And the people struggled with him. They drove him crazy. They really did, because they didn't listen to him. Uh, But God said, I'm sending you anyway. You are not up to the task. You you can't do this. Pharaoh won't listen to you. The people won't listen to you. But I'm sending you anyway. And so God sent him anyway. He sent Aaron with him to help him. But God said, listen, he said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And of course, Moses couldn't free the people. Who was going to free the people? Well, God was going to do it himself. Um, and so I, I, I've highlighted how Moses felt inadequate and was inadequate. But it's not only that, is it? He grew up in the palace. So, you know, uh, who's going to trust him? Um, he was wanted for murder. I mean, this is, this is not an auspicious start, is it? This is not where you begin a good project that's going to end well. Um, and uh, true enough, uh, it was really, really hard. Uh, but God rescued the people and he rescued them Uh, It says, I think it says by his mighty hand or something like that, doesn't it? With mighty power, with mighty power, he led them out of that country. He rescued them big time. 
You know, there were nature miracles. A parting of, of waters, a miraculous food, pillars of fire and cloud that led the people through the wilderness. God, in a, a, an amazing way, rescued his people. But then it says, and this is interesting, isn't it? For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And do you remember? It always makes me laugh how they talk about it. They get so fed up of the food that God is giving them that they say, do you remember how good life was in Egypt? In brackets, because they don't say this, but when we were slaves. They say, we had melons, we had onions, we had cucumbers, we had leeks. They say, and all at no cost. Well, yeah, at no cost, because they were slaves. They had no money, you know, they couldn't pay. They were just fed so that they could carry on working. Um, and they, they um, complained about God. They complained about being led into the desert to die. They complained against Moses. And in the end, because of their conduct, they perished. Because of their unbelief, they wouldn't enter the promised land. They perished, and even Moses perished without entering the promised land. Isn't that, isn't that astonishing to think about? This wonderful salvation that God gave them, and yet by their unbelief and by their um, ungratefulness, they don't actually enter the inheritance that God has promised and given to them. He saved an undeserving people, and he saved them by unexpected means, okay? Moses. Who would have thought of sending Moses? But God thought of it, and so God did. Okay? That's the first bronze model. All right? I'm just going to give a little hint. You know when you're um, looking at the bronze model of the cathedral, what is the goal of the bronze model? What's it there for? Okay, we'll move on. Um, bronze model number two. Uh, really, we're looking at verse... The, first, the second part of verse 20 with this one. Um, the judges. Because now they're in the promised land. But God's people rebel again and again and again. They, they, um, they turn away from God to worship the, <coughs> the um, idols of the nations around them. They assimilate other cultures into their culture. And become um, as detestable as the nations that they replaced. And... Um, so God disciplines them, and again and again they cry out to God, and God sends what we call judges. Now, when we think of judges, we think of people in big black robes with tabs, don't we, who make pronouncements on people's guilt or innocence. But these weren't that kind of judge. These judges were more like chieftain warriors who would come and liberate God's people. They would come and lead God's people to rescue them from their oppressors and to set them free. But who did God send? Uh, anyone want to shout out any names of judges? I bet I know who will come out first. Any of the judges? I wasn't betting on him, but Samson. I mean, Samson. Would you make Samson your, your army commander? He was strong, but he was weak. You know? Um, the, news, the tabloid newspapers have a wonderful time with Samson. Uh, you know, it was... A, it was, it was, he was not a good example. Let's leave it there. We don't want to enlarge too much. Who else? Name another one. Sorry? Yeah? Yeah? 
I didn't hear you very well. Jephthah. Jephthah. Yeah, how did Jephthah end? With a catastrophe over a vow he made, which was a, a really bad idea. Yeah? And uh, his daughter either goes into um, seclusion or she ends up sacrificed. Big debates over what happens about his daughter. Uh, another judge. <coughs> Where did they find Gideon when he was uh, told he was going to be a great commander of the people? He was hiding in a threshing floor for fear that somebody would come and steal his grain. I mean, these are, these are not natural leaders of men, you know? Um, the one I always love is Ehud. Ehud, um, who is left-handed, so he's no good in the army. He fails his draft because everyone has to be right-handed because you're going to run into battle with your, with your swords, you see, and, your, and your, your spears. And you've got to stand in rank and you've all... You, someone who's left-handed, you know, you kill your own men. So Ehud fails his draft, but Ehud turns out to be the one who rescues uh, Israel from, from their oppressors. It's, it's the most... It's the most crazy list of men. You know, God sends inappropriate people. <laughs> he does. He saves an undeserving people by unexpected means. All right? Um, bronze model number three. The kings, in particular David. Uh, the people want a king. So uh, God gives them to begin with Saul. Now Saul is everyone's idea of a king, you know. He's a tall, fine-looking young guy. Um, and so he becomes king. But Saul ends up being a disaster. He's a big guy, he's impressive, but he doesn't have what it takes. And what does it take? It takes heartfelt confidence in God. And Saul lacks that and gets drawn aside to foreign gods. He, he becomes idolatrous. And in the end, we find him consulting, um, um, I'm trying to find a, a good word, uh, necromancers or witches or kind of clairvoyants or, you know, um, turning aside to the occult. In the meantime, who does God bring in to be the, the, the king who will be a man after his own heart? Well, he brings in David. And David is a lad. He's a shepherd. You know, he's just, he's just a kid. Um, do you remember the story about how he comes down with food for his brothers? And he finds that the army is being threatened by this, this monstrous man called Goliath. And all the Israelites are terrified. And Saul won't take him on. Saul is the anointed of God, but Saul won't take him on. And here is Goliath and he's defying the armies of Israel. And David comes up. He thinks, well, this isn't right. Nobody will take him on. Um, and David, he's a lad, but he is the anointed of God. And so he, he says, I'll take him on. I'll take him on. Tries on um, uh, Saul's armour. It's never going to work. Who were we talking about last, uh, the, uh, two weeks ago? Um, it's, like, it's like trying to dress up Peter in Herod's robes, you know? It's that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's never going to work. And, uh, and so, or, or putting, if you can imagine putting Wendell in, um, in um, Rory's running gear or whatever. I don't know if Rory does do, do running gear, but, uh, you know, it's not going to help him run. And so here is, here is David, and, and he, he takes on Goliath, and of course, he conquers. Why? Because, because of God. Because of God. And so, um, so people want a king, and David is the one. God saves an undeserving people by unexpected means.
by unexpected means. He's not the right one. Okay, now what is the purpose of these bronze models? I mean, are they really there to distract you from the pot kayo so that you don't look at the pot kayo? You're too busy looking at the model, you know? Is the model of the cathedral so that you don't admire the cathedral or the shiny lady on the tower? You're spending all your time looking at the bronze model. Is that what it's for? What is the bronze model for? We might be a bit confused, actually, over what the bronze model is actually for. Okay, it shows you the context. Yeah? To help you find places. To help you find places, yeah. Yeah. Why is the context important? Why is finding places important? You don't see the thing, how amazing it is. Oh, okay. That's a really nice um, leading remark. Um, yeah. <laughs> The goal, the goal of the, I guess, the goal of the bronze models, we'd need to ask the, the, the uh, people who decided to put them there, I guess. But I imagine the goal of the bronze models is so you understand better how the cathedral relates to the Hotel de Ville and how the tower is placed alongside the cathedral and how, um, in Place la Comédie, the Grand Théâtre dominates, but then the Apple Store is really important as well and it's just alongside and so on. I should, must stop it going on about the Apple Store last night. It's a long time since I've been in the Apple Store, I promise. Um, And so on, you know? The bronze model is there so that you can understand the real thing better. Yeah? When you look at the bronze model, you say, oh, now I see how it all fits together. Well, here, we're now turning to the real thing. And uh, Peter, Paul, (laughs) wants them to see the real thing. Um, And he says, look, God sent Jesus. God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. As he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and so on. Uh, But as John completed his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I'm not the one you're looking for. But there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And then he begins to talk about Jesus. And he says, Jesus came. The Saviour came. The one that God promised came. And look, just like the models, he's not the one you'd choose. He's despised. He's rejected. Worse than that, he's crucified They took him and nailed him to a cross of wood. Uh, How how can this person be the saviour? They killed him. They tortured him to death in front of everyone. But, he goes on, but God raised him from the dead. Just like he promised. And people say, well, how did God promise this? Well, he says, look at it. Uh, Psalm 2. Psalm 2 talks about God's anointed and how there would be this great conspiracy of the nations against God and against his anointed and he says that's exactly what happened but it doesn't just talk about that it talks about how this one who is conspired against reigns anyway and so God uh, raised Jesus from the dead and he reigns now uh, uh, forever and he says just like God promised in Psalm 16. Look, uh, verse 34. We're at now, verse 34, basically, and 35. Um, God raised him from the dead so he would never be subject to decay. 
you will not let your Holy One see decay. Psalm 16. And uh, Paul says, who do you think that, um, that David was talking about? It wasn't himself. He says when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He died. He was buried with his ancestors and his, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. And so here is this great saviour that God has promised. And just like Moses, people um, would not listen to him. And just like the judges, people say, well, how can he save anyone? And just like David, uh, he's not the obvious choice. And yet he comes and he lives a perfect life on our behalf. He's uh, nailed to the cross to bear our sin and our condemnation. And God raises him from the dead to be our king and our saviour forever. And so Paul says, so know this. And this is the focus of his message, okay? Verse 38 and 39. And really all I have to do is read it. Because this is really what Paul is getting at. And listen. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know... And and we all want everyone here to know, don't we? I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Forgiveness, the past dealt with, okay? Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Slavery broken. Mastery over those things that dominate you, promised to you. By Jesus Christ. Through him everyone who believes. Is set free from every sin. A justification. You were not able to obtain. Under the law of Moses. And so salvation. Forgiveness. Freedom. And a future. Which the law could never do. I was so glad that we fell on the Ten Commandments this week. Because um, people say. Oh you know. uh, The law and love. Uh, are not the same thing. Well, they are the same thing. How do we know what it means to love people if there's no uh, instruction on what that means? You know what we're like. The word love, um, we interpret it how we feel, don't we? We, 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 we stuff the word love with all kinds of stupid things. Uh, but God says, well, this is what love is. It's to, to put me Uh, at the very heart and the center and the focus of your life and to love your neighbor as yourself and this is what that means it means respecting it means um, uh, protecting and caring for it means not bringing people down but raising people up it means not coveting it means being content with what you have and being willing to share it means all of those things the law is an exposition of what it means to love but still we can't do it I mean, who among us has ever loved God with all his heart, soul, strength and mind? Even for a moment. You know, we, we, yeah, let's not expand on it. You know what I mean. And who among us has loved our neighbour as ourself? Who among us can can claim to have have lived anything approaching a, um, a life that is not focused on me, me first, you know? Seeing the world through my eyes. How does this affect me? We always think, you know? Whenever anything happens, how does it affect me? Um, And yet, here is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he pays the price for our debt. And he frees us from that slavery to sin. And he promises us a future 
where we belong to him and will be with him forever. And so God saves through Jesus an undeserving people. Forgive me for indicating you, but you know, just as well tell it like it is. God saves an undeserving people by unexpected means. By unexpected means. Who would have ever thought that this Galilean would be the saviour of the world? But he is. He is. And then Paul goes on. Take care. Take care. Look, um, verse 40 downwards. Take care, he says. Remember Moses and his generation. They didn't enter the promised land. Why? Why did they die in the desert? Why? Because they wouldn't believe. And sure enough, as uh, Paul and Barnabas are leaving the synagogue, people say, we want to hear more about this. And so the whole city gathers. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of Gentiles. And they outnumber the Jews. And the Jews are starting to feel, well, we don't feel so comfortable about this anymore. You know, all of a sudden, our, our privilege, our prerogative, our, our special character... Um, is this all going to be eroded? Are we going to lose our standing? Are we going to lose our position? And they become jealous. And, uh, and they become angry. Why? Because free grace is irritating. Free grace is annoying. It's annoying. You know, religious people, what they want is for you to make them feel guilty. Make them feel guilty and they'll feel uplifted. And they go home and they say, isn't that wonderful? We all felt so guilty. Um, but when someone uh, tells you that through Jesus Christ your past can be forgiven, you can be set free from the, dom- the dominion of, of this um, slavery to be set in sin and you can have a future with God forever, then people say, oh, you know, that's far too easy. I can't see how that can be possible. It must be because of what you do. Uh, it's, it's not right to suggest to people that just through Jesus, everything can be put right. And so people react against, and they, uh, and they uh, won't believe. But the Gentiles believe. And Paul says, yeah, just like God promised. Just like God promised. Look what he says. Um, verse 47. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so God brings salvation to an undeserving people through unexpected means. Yeah? And um, Paul and Barnabas, they do this thing where they shake the dust off their feet. Um, And um, to us that seems very odd, you know. Why why would you shake the dust off your feet? Sometimes we take off our shoes when we go indoors, don't we? Uh, So we don't get the dust all all over the house. And that's a very sensible thing to do. Um, but shaking the dust off your feet, why would you do that? You know, come on. Um, would people even notice? Well, it, it was something the Jews did. And you know what? When they did it, they did it when they went from Gentile territory back into Jewish territory. Because they didn't want to pollute Jewish territory with Gentile dust. You know? That dirty Gentile dirt. We want nice Jewish dirt. Uh, to be under our feet. And so, um, and so they would shake off the Gentile dust, you know. And Paul, what is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, listen. 
God's people are those who listen to the offer of salvation and respond. That's who God's people are. It's not a question of tradition. It's not a question of genetics. It's not a question of culture. It's not a question of where you were born, who you were born to. It's a question of you, you responding to the word of God. You in your heart trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ when he is presented and offered to you. Can you imagine someone and um, they say to you one day, you say, um, do you know I've been studying in Bordeaux? I live in Bordeaux now. And they say, oh, Bordeaux, yeah, I'm bodily. Um, yeah, 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 I know all about those little bronze mo- models. And you say, really? And they say, yeah, yeah, the one at the Place de la Comédie, you know, the Grand Théâtre, it's about that big, isn't it? And it's all shiny and bronze. And you go, okay. And you say, what about uh, the cathedral? And they say, yeah, 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 probably about that big. And the little tower beside it, it's so cute, isn't it? Um, I just love the little bronze models. And you say, okay. And they say, Portocayo as well. There's one at the Portocayo, isn't there? And, uh, and you can see the little point on, on the arch, but it is a bit bent in the, in the model, isn't it? It's got a, bendy po- a bendy point. That's hard to say. Harder than I thought. And you say, okay. And you say, what about Canoré? Have you tried a Canoré? Are you Bayadran or are you La Torcuivre? <laughs> and they go, what's a Canoré? And you say, have you climbed the Torpe Bellon? Have you looked out over the square? And they go, is that big? I don't think so. And you say, did you go in the cathedral? Have you been to the Grand Théâtre? Have you seen the ceiling inside? And they say, well, it's, you know, okay. You say, you've never been to Bordeaux, have you? You've never been to Bordeaux. You're not Bordelais. You've just got the bronze models. Yeah. And that is exactly the problem here, isn't it? Here are these people, and they're not really God's people because they're so attached to the bronze models. When reality comes, you enter reality, don't you? You know? There comes a moment when you look at the Grand Théâtre and you say, whoa, well, I'm going to go up and climb and walk through those colonnades. I'm going to go and see if I can get a cup of coffee. And Oh, no, forget it, uh, because of the prices or whatever. And you'll say, what can I afford to go and see? And there are really cheap shows for students, and that's really good, you know, for those of us who are no longer students, sorry. Uh, but sometimes there are things you can go to see. Um, and so on. You know, you want to you experience reality, not just the bronze model. And here is reality offered in the Lord Jesus Christ. The bronze models all point to it, but they're just bronze models, and they point to the reality that there is in Jesus. Okay, what about the upshot for us? What, what can we do to apply this to us? What can we say? Well, firstly, don't be ashamed of the cross. Don't be ashamed of the cross. Don't be ashamed of a Savior who died who was crucified, dead and buried. Don't be ashamed of that. Uh, Don't be ashamed that your leader was condemned unjustly and was, uh, was horribly tortured to death. Don't be ashamed of that. Because that is how God saves undeserving people by unexpected means. That's what God does. That's what salvation is. You know, all the bronze models are, are, are like that, aren't they? They all point to God saving undeserving people by unexpected means. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of the resurrection. 
God raised him from the dead on the third day. That is the great hope for us all. You know, when we breathe our last, um, I was telling someone earlier about this doctor who apparently his last words were, pulse stopped. You think, whoa, you know, what presence of mind. Um, And uh, when pulse stops, what is your hope? Well, your hope is Jesus raised from the dead. He promised to raise us from the dead too. He said, I will. Whoever believes in me, I will raise him up on the last day. Don't be ashamed of the resurrection. Don't forget that grace is free. Anyone can come. Don't forget that forgiveness is full and free. That freedom is offered through God. That um, a future is promised to us uh, in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. Uh, Don't forget these things. Because people will never deserve the grace of God. So don't look for the deserving. Look for the undeserving. Those are the people that God is, is, uh, is uh, out to save, aren't they? Well, like us, you know, undeserving people. Don't forget as well that religious people often reject the message. So don't be uh, shocked if people who are religious say, I don't like your church. I don't like what they say. I don't like what they stand for. I'm surprised at some of the um, opinions that come out from that church. I'm surprised. Don't be ashamed uh, when people who are religious reject the message. They reject the message because they don't yet see that they're undeserving. They may not always reject it. Some of us were like that. And there came a day when we realised that we needed a saviour. But most of all, don't you reject the message. I want you to know. I want you to know. Listen again to verse 38 and 39. There's no better ending than this. My friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You know, the law of Moses will tell you how far you, sh- you fall short. It'll tell you what you should aim at, and it'll remind you that you've never hit it. But Jesus saves. He forgives, he frees, and he assures for us a future. Let's pray.